When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back on Wednesday nights. That is right. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. 10-13 here on the east, 7-13 on the west, where my wonderful co-host, Alfred Cunaway, is. I'm Justin LaVar, and it is Wrestling Inc. live on YouTube, live on Twitch, or if you're checking us out, audio only, wherever you get your podcasts, we welcome that too. Alfred, it's been a few weeks as, uh, obviously, AEW Dynamite's been on Saturday, so we haven't got to do this on Wednesday. This feels great. I'm happy to see you. You look wonderful, as always, uh, in your attire tonight. Thank you. I'm happy to see you, too. And uh, I like how you rolled out the big production for our big return with that great countdown. I really love the new intro, and I'm uh, ready to talk about some great wrestling tonight. Yeah, I mean, every great return has, like, the countdown in wrestling. It has some kind of ballyhoo and <laughs> pyro, so why not us? Uh, again, Wrestling Inc. Uh, here, your post-AEW Dynamite podcast presented by Manscaped. Very happy to have Manscaped with us. They're with us on Wednesday night, Alfred, for the remainder of 2021. Manscaped uh, right here with Alfred and I talking AEW and the big headlines in the pro wrestling world. We'll tell you more about Manscaped in just a little bit. Uh, Alfred, uh, it, it's an interesting time. I mean, we're, we're rolling off of in, in the grand scheme of things. We're uh, coming off of obviously a very big show in Saudi Arabia for WWE and their season premieres and controversy, of course, always with them. Halloween Havoc last night for NXT. We'll talk about that in a second. Ring of Honor, a lot to talk about there. Impact might be having some new names come their way very soon. And then you got AEW. They're building to the next pay-per-view full gear. Uh, Obviously hot with the the CM Punk uh, return tour. Brian Danielson uh, wrestling like he's 25 again. I mean, what's, what's got you the most excited? What is grabbing your attention the most right now in the wrestling world? Oh, that's a great question. I, I mean, uh, I really do like what uh, some of these builds are going on with AEW, particularly with Hangman Adam Page. I think with Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega uh, is very exciting, as well as Miro. I think Miro, he wasn't on this show tonight, but uh, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about that. I think whatever he's doing in this feud against God has got my attention. Let me tell you right now, I don't think we're going to get the payoff of Miro versus God, but I really do like what he's doing. But, uh, you know, there is a lot of exciting news about pro wrestling that um, I think is going on right now. I know we're just outside of WrestleMania season, but I think as we get into the Royal Rumble, uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, who wins that Royal Rumble. I really do like this Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns storyline, and I do think that that's going to manifest itself sometime around Roman uh, Royal Rumble season. So, you know, a lot going on, a lot of exciting stuff, a lot of you know, not so uh, happy news, of course, that we're going to get into. But I do think that this is a very, very lively time to be covering wrestling. Yes, yes. Well, Tony Khan booked Miro versus God better than Vince booked himself against God. <laughs> Remains to be seen. These are the questions that need to ask people, the hard-hitting questions. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I did not mention MLW doing yes. very well, of course, their new distribution on Vice. So a lot happening, uh, a lot happening in the wrestling world. And as we talk about companies and, and, and a lot of it being positive, here's a big, big piece of sad news. And, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know about you, Alfred. I, I, <laughs> I had no hint of this coming, and it sounds yep. like much of the locker room had yeah. no hint of this coming and we're talking about the ring of honor 
locker room. Ring of Honor announced today that they are going to be uh, basically they're going to have their final battle show, uh, which will be in December. Uh, that, that's going to be December 11th, to be specific, at the UBM, UMBC Event Center in Baltimore. But then after that, Ring of Honor is going to effectively take at least the first quarter, they say, in 2022, uh, and they take a hiatus, as they worded it. And to you know, so you're like, okay, you know, a little pause, you know, a little rebranding. Well, it goes a step further. Every wrestler under contract with Ring of Honor has been re- is being released from their contract. They're going to get paid through a certain point, but after that, no mas. Uh, Alfred, this is huge because for people who may not follow Ring of Honor as much or be aware, Ring of Honor was uh, you know, maybe the biggest babyface company, at least of the major companies in the U.S., because they were the one company uh, of their size, at least, that when the pandemic hit, did not go out and just cut the talent. I mean, you know, WWE obviously you know, had had you know major controversial headlines cutting the amount of talent they did and amount, and amount of employees they did all to keep a stock price a certain point, keep profit margin, profit margins at a certain uh, uh, point. Um, you know, obviously AEW had to make some changes and some things, but, but ring of honor did not run shows, but they kept paying every single man and woman they had on contract. But now it looks like all that time having to pay and not run any shows and make any money back. It looks like it's bit them in the ass. Yeah, it really has. And it's really sad news, especially because of how surprising it was. I mean, literally me and Nick Housman earlier today on this podcast were about to go on the air. And that's when we found out about this happening. So we had to course correct and cover this. That's how surprising this news was. And it did kind of mirror what happened with, uh, you know, all these mass cuts that we've been seeing lately. So a very sad news to go around. You know, I know Ring of Honor had been trying to chug along. They do have this uh, backing with Sinclair Broadcasting, but clearly uh, that's not going to be enough in terms of them bailing Ring of Honor out. So uh, a lot of questions. And I think the big takeaway here is that there is a lot of free agents in pro wrestling right now. It is it was historical before this news. But now that they've been let out of their contracts and they're uh, it looks like they're not going to be renewed. And it's just a lot of flooded free agents and a lot of people are just out there uh, in the open right now. And uh, so a lot of questions in terms of where they go and they're not all going to get picked up. I think we all known this for a while. Uh, in terms of them going moving on, WWE, Impact, AEW could fill the rosters and there would still be plenty of free agents out there. So uh, it, it's it's a weird time in pro wrestling. And we talked about how excited we are, you know, on our end. And, you know, as fans, it's more of a hardcore. It is a very exciting time. But we have to remember that in the greater scheme of things, wrestling really isn't that hot. Uh, it is more of a smaller audience that is watching wrestling. So the trickle down effect of people supporting the smaller promotions is not going to be as great uh, because it's such a small, so much of a smaller audience. And I think we're seeing it with this. Uh, MLW has been doing a good job getting these distribution deals, deals and I'm very happy for them. But uh, I know that there was a recent story with them kind of doing smaller shows and releasing talent and whatnot. And I think uh, the pandemic has had a big impact on that in terms of taking away a lot of these options in pro wrestling. So uh, that's another thing that kind of has me nervous for the industry. Yeah. Tony Khan can't sign everybody for ring of honor. Um, right. You know, yeah, it's scary because like, you know, Sinclair, the parent company that owns ring of honor, they've obviously decided, okay, we have this, we got, we got to change things up. We can't keep doing this right now. So they're going to take a hiatus. But what's got to be scary if you're a Ring of Honor uh, worker or even just a fan, uh, what's scary is that, you know, now Sinclair is going to get a chance for the first time in a long time uh, by their own accord and by not having to pay any talent. They're going to take a look and see, OK, what what are our books? What are what's our business as a whole look like uh, not being involved in the wrestling game? And not having this Ring of Honor project, and that's scary because you know, uh, you know, just to relate this to just somebody watching this. If you're out there watching, you know, let's say you take a, a leave of absence, you take a sabbatical from your job, and, it, and it's a job that you're well, you're pretty well compensated. You know, it's not, it's, you know, it's not nothing for your company to employ you and give you the benefits. You know, you cost something. Well, if you take that leave of absence or what have you for a little bit, and let's say it's even a point where they don't have to pay you some kind of maybe you know short term disability. I don't know, but if they get, it's like if your employer gets a taste. Of okay, what's it like without you for a for a temporary time, and they still get by just as fine, or if not better, if they find other ways and they figure out how to do it without you, that's scary business because now all of a sudden your leverage, your values disappear, and that's what I fear for Ring of Honor is you know they haven't been doing much in the last eighteen months anyways, uh, relatively speaking, I say not much, and then now if you're cutting these talent for for a while, so you're cutting the the string uh, from that, and then Sinclair gets a look for it a little bit. Gets a look at a first quarter not having this, and they say, "Okay, well, let's see what happens when we have a first and second quarter." What, like, that's what's worrisome. So, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know if a Tony Khan's going to come out of 
the woodwork and buy a ring of honor and turn it into his own developmental or anything crazy like that. It could happen, but I'm just I'm, I'm more or less being you know facetious here. But it's it, it, this is certainly a scary time. And Alfred, you know, it's not again one less. You know, it's not like the Ring of Honor guys. You know, it's not like it's Triple H's uh, NXT that you could try to go get a few spots at. This is the NXT for Vince. This is the NXT where he wants you groomed and ready to be on Raw or SmackDown. This is the NXT where he wants football players, bodybuilders. There there's only but a few spots for uh, the the Ring of Honor elk of performer, if you will. Yeah, that, and you have to consider the fact that WWE is not in the business of signing a bunch of guys. They're releasing all types of talent, and they're very particular as to who they will sign. And so I don't think you're looking toward WWE in that who's going to WWE. Probably none of these guys, because WWE is costly. We've seen it. They're probably not done cutting the roster down to size. And so um, I, I, on that standpoint, they're looking at much smaller options. A lot of these options already probably have their plans in terms of who they want to sign. Yeah, you know, everybody talks about AEW and <clears throat> what has it done to WWE and the competition. And obviously, it, it, it's it's become relevant to WWE in the marketplace, despite what WWE will publicly say. But I think, I think you know, Ring of Honor, and, and we're, I, I thought this for the last couple of years since AEW's inception, but now we're truly seeing it uh, play out. I think Ring of Honor was probably harmed the most, because I think Ring of Honor, somewhere in there, when they saw the Bucks and all the guys that were that, that, that were becoming free agents from Japan and where have, where have you, I think they thought... We're going to get these guys back here, and essentially what AE, what what the foundation and origin of what AEW is based on, I think they thought they were going to be able to have the Bucks and that vision come and be fostered in Ring of Honor and put some serious money there and, and get Ring of Honor elevated to be a legitimate number two threat to WWE. And then the Bucks and, and Kenny, and, and along with the billions of Tony Khan, decided to start something new and fresh that was not Ring of Honor, I think I think that's really where Ring of Honor got got harmed the most. If we if we want to trace this back, yeah, no, absolutely, and it's it's weird that to see that because now you see the influence that Ring of Honor has had on AEW in terms of how they're signing people, and it's pretty much like a Ring of Honor reunion from 15 years ago. And if you look at that moment, if Ring of Honor would have just made a couple of tactical moves in terms of making sure you have the paperwork to where they couldn't do something like this, we might be having a whole different conversation. It might be Ring of Honor going head to head with WWE instead of a new company. Absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on it, but. Um... One last note to, uh, to note on this topic, Sports Illustrated's Justin Barrasso. Uh, he reports that uh, most of the company uh, was on a Zoom call with officials, but there still were a number of top Ring of Honor stars on the roster that were not informed and only learned about it uh, via text or social media or what have you. So whew, don't look at your phone on a yeah. Wednesday afternoon. All right. Uh, well, we're not going to have any Ring of Honor uh, uh, after December. We're also not going to have any more Greg Hamilton, at least not on WWE TV. Greg Hamilton, who was one of the WWE ring announcers for the last uh, several years, since 2015 to be exact, uh, Hamilton has uh, gone public and, and uh, admitted, acknowledged on social media that he and WWE have, in fact, parted ways. Uh, he notes after six weeks and 52, uh, six years and 52 weeks a year, uh, it's time to say goodbye. Uh, he talked about how it was, it was mutual and no hard feelings. And he also talked about the, the you know, point, in, point in time right now in his company or in his uh, life, excuse me, uh, with his mother getting older with his sister having cerebral palsy uh, and just, you know, needing priority. So you can read the full statement on wrestlinginc.com. But uh, Greg Hamilton, uh, no longer with WWE. And I, I, you know, I pay attention to ring announcers because I'm all about entrances and, and, and the feel of it. And I thought Greg Hamilton was always one of the best ones that they've had, really, not just now, but, um, you know, I, I, I call it the, the, the post-Fink era. Once they moved away from just Howard Finkel and, and you know, Tony Chimble, I've always, they've had a, a little bit more of a carousel, Alfred, and I think Greg's been one of the better ones. Yeah, very much so. He's one of the more beloved people in the pro wrestling locker room in terms of WWE. I was very surprised to see all this uh, consternation he had with West Side Gun in terms of uh, we're going to sue you and all that. People thinking that that has something to do with it. I I'm not sure if he was being serious, if this is a work. I think uh, more needs to come out there. And uh, Greg did say that, you know, his family has something to do with this. Uh, but uh, he really was kind of a mainstay of this new era of WWE. And it is you're going to kind of feel a bit of a void not hearing him uh, week after week on SmackDown and on pay-per-views because he kind of stepped into that role uh, that Justin Roberts used to have in terms of that just kind of rock-solid announcer who used to do the ring announcing. For sure, for sure. And uh, our final <clears throat> piece of news, against all, again, all of this is on WrestlingInc.com. You can get it in-depth. And there's also other headlines that we're not going to get to on this episode. Uh, let's talk about Halloween Havoc real quick. Tuesday's Halloween Havoc last night for, from the NXT 2.0 drew 746,000 viewers on the USA Network. This according uh, to Nielsen via Show Buzz Daily, and this is up 23% from last week's episode, which drew 606. 
Uh, and of course, on that all important key 18 to 49 demo, Halloween Havoc does a 0.18. Uh, and this is up 28% from the 0.14 of the week prior. So um, say what you will uh, about the NXT 2.0 or who they're pushing and, and that and, and the Halloween Havoc, but uh, it seemed to garner some interest and we saw a significant bump. Yeah, and I'm very surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised at how this happened in terms of NXT, uh, because, I mean, I was even talking on the podcast last night and that I was very nervous for this number coming out. Going against Game 1 of the World Series is no joke. We've seen them do damage to WWE programming, and so I'm thinking that this might go down. Like, we might go to the 500,000 Rampage range for this show. But no, not only did it go up, it went way up, and that speaks to um, a couple of things. I think the WWE audience, especially the NXT audience, which is a little older, is a little more impervious to like things going on, whether it's in politics, whether it's real world news, doesn't get as affected as that AEW audience. I think we've learned that. And then also, I think it really helped for WWE NXT to promote a big show. And this is a model they should have because those first few weeks of NXT, it really started sliding down a cliff in terms of viewership because they were going nowhere. There was no direction. They're just introducing all this talent and you didn't know where they were going. Once they had this direction and they were able to have this big show on NXT TV, I think now you're seeing that in the viewership and we should see more of this on NXT. Yeah, great point uh, to mention the World Series game one. I mean, it's not, you know, it's a World Series, uh, game one of World Series uh, with with two major markets in Houston and Atlanta. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's not like we're talking about, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of the smaller ends. I mean, we're talking about major, major markets in Houston and Atlanta uh, that 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 you know have their fan bases tuning in, and, and plus just the rest of the world because it's it's the World Series. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this key demo rating, uh, it's the best since the September twenty first show. Uh, the viewers, this is the sixth best viewership uh, since the move uh, to Tuesday. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can build off of uh, off of this Halloween havoc. And again, I I ask, is this as big as it gets for the NXT two Is it these? themed specials on USA because you know our, I, it just doesn't feel like takeovers are going to be a thing anymore yeah, they don't even say the word takeover. I I don't I know they did come out with a new pay-per-view schedule and there was no mention of having NXT themed shows or anything like this. So I think this is all they're willing to do in terms of their big show, which I mean they need this. This is gonna be the new NXT. They do need this show on USA Network in order to really help keep that average viewership uh, at a reasonable level. Because if it was just going to be these shows um and, and no you know, big show on TV. I think they really struggle. Uh, so I think they need all these takeover type shows on TV as possible in order to help what, what is a developmental product and a true developmental product. Yeah, I could see them doing away with it. Yeah, again, the name takeover, but their their pay-per-view, their big event to build the storylines to being on USA, like you said, to keep the number big um, and, and, and you know not being takeovers. But again, you know, being Halloween Havocs, just being any kind of special um, and you're right that the pay-per-view schedule came out and obviously takeovers were always big around the major, uh, Raw and SmackDown shows, Mania, SummerSlam, et cetera. And most of those are now going to be on Saturday. And that's when takeovers would traditionally have been, would have been on Saturday. And so now you have the, the, the major WWE Raw SmackDown show on Saturdays. Well, Fridays has got SmackDown. You have Saturday, you'd have the major pay-per-views. So it's like, it's, it's just almost like no room at this point. It's, uh, yeah. so we'll see, but NXT uh, 2.0, uh, on a little bit of an upswing. So we'll see if they can hold on to it. So that was your news uh, headlines uh, for the day. You can check it out on WrestlingInc.com for more. And it is almost time to get into our AEW Dynamite talk on this wonderful episode presented by Manscaped. And first, Alfred, do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your balls with anything other than Manscaped. That's scary. That's horror. That is run for your life. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar. Join the two million men, Alfred and I included, worldwide by going to manscaped.com. And guess what? If you go to manscaped.com and you use the code WINC20, you are going to get 20% off plus free shipping. We've talked about it before. It is a very real thing. A lot of great things about doing this podcast. Get to banter with Alfred. Get to banter with all of you. It's nice getting a Raj Geary direct deposit. But then right up there is the wonderful sponsorship with Manscaped and the products that they have sent all of us. Everything from the shaving kit to the ball deodorants to the lawnmower 4.0. And it is all legitimately. It is all legitimate uh, technology. It's all legitimate product for what they say they do. I mean, we're talking about 
Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer uh, helps reduce the nicks, uh, reduce ingrown hairs, reduce just grooming accents in general. Um, you know, they got the ball deodorant. They got uh, tons of other uh, different, um, you know, uh, lotions and such you can use. You know, they got one that reduces foot odor. Whatever you need to do, where, wherever you think your confidence and, and, and your polishing needs to be, Manscaped has got you covered from head to toe and especially halfway through uh so lawnmower 4.0 uh perfect uh perfectly uh engineered performance uh performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker uh total game changer there um you know talk about your hygiene your your, your arsenal is, is going to be complete if you add some of these new products they got the wonderful um they got the wonderful nail kit as well that's a great thing if you're putting it in the in the uh travel bag and the shaving kit i uh, can't say enough good things manscape.com winc20 offer i know you've been uh, you've been using them i know i know you're out there in the dating world you got you got to stay you got to stay trimmed and, and on the ball you uh, you know me i'm a married guy you know some days gets in routine but you you you, you never know when you're going to be called in action yeah, you don't got to get ready if you stay ready. And Manscaped helps me stay ready, stay aerodynamic. I have to be aerodynamic at all times, Justin Labar, so that no hair gets in the way, so that I'm tip-top performer. I don't want any of these comments getting out in the streets that Alfred doesn't know how to perform and isn't up to standard or is a little scratchy in the sack. That's never something that you're going to hear about Alfred Kenaway. You're always going to hear nothing but great reviews. I've got a perfect Yelp score when it comes to that department. And a lot of that is because of Manscaped. So thank you, Manscaped. <laughs> Thank you, Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping using the code WINC20 at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast tonight. And like I said, the rest of the way we go here through the remainder of 2021. Super chat from B Wood, $4.99. What would a Cody versus Paul Levesque one off do to the world of professional wrestling with a major build? maybe culminating and all out um i mean that'd be a lot of fun I mean, it's fun a boy can dream uh if we were in a parallel universe when that happened uh, it would be i don't even think you'd need a major bill to be honest you announce that match and it'd be a an incredible uh spectacle that people would want to come and see and there's a lot that you can do with that you can call back to what cody did with the sledgehammer uh but it, it would be it, it would be amazing it, it might be one of the bigger buy rates we see in modern wrestling history uh, yeah, it's not going to happen anytime. You know, I'm convinced as long as Vince, Vince is in charge of WWE, we're not going to see anything like that be wood. But, you know, uh, you know, if, if there ever is a time where I mean, if, if, if there ever is a time where Vince is not, you know, running the day to day anymore, if it is if Triple H at least is running the day to day wrestling, um, you know, I don't put it out of the possibility that he would open up. That going through that forbidden door because we were already seeing again when he had NXT as his little promotion, he was already showing that he was willing to do that with other companies that he could get the approval to to do that with. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't even need a much of a major build. It kind of speaks for itself if you have two uh, wrestling executives uh, going at it. On you know, of course, you got to use Twitter and social media first, and then one of them shows up in the other's arena, and it's 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 pandemonium. And yeah, you milk a few buy rate, you milk a buy rate, and then all out, you milk a buy rate at a SummerSlam. You, you do whatever you got to do. Uh, to benefit everybody, uh, so it's dare to dream. It's it, it's like like it was back in the '90s when you think, oh, what WCW guy do you want to see up against what WWE guy? So that's yeah. <clears throat> that's kind of where we're at. All right, where AEW's at is Boston, Beantown tonight for AEW Dynamite, a show that Jr. noted had been rescheduled several times. These uh, Boston fans being very patient, being patient to hear their cults of personality as CM Punk once again open it up. For Dynamite, this will be his first match on Dynamite. He's had a match, of course, on pay-per-view. He's had it on Rampage, but not yet on Dynamite. So he comes out uh, very over with the crowd. He's going up against Bobby Fish. And today is their birthdays, both of their birthdays. Punk 43, Fish 45. Alfred, three years ago, if I would have told you, hey, that one guy in the Undisputed Era, if we're sitting on a Wednesday night watching NXT, and I would have called you up and said, hey, that one guy in Undisputed Era, yeah, three years from now, He's going to fight CM Punk on a wrestling show on Wednesday night, but it's not going to be on NXT. You would have been like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. What are you smoking? Like Hall, what here, are you we are. About? here we are. Uh, so here we are. See, I mean, uh, so Fish versus Punk uh, didn't have to do much to start out. They kind of could do a little cat and mouse, let the crowd just kind of uh, take it all in. Uh, a few big notes here. Punk does a suicide dive. Again, at 43, does a suicide dive to the outside on Fish. Uh, Fish, Fish is getting his heat. He's working Punk's leg a lot. Uh, ultimately, though, after one GTS reversal by Fish, ultimately Punk would uh, hit the GTS a second time. Uh, one, two, three, but I will note, Punk gets the win. One, two, three, as expected. But at the, uh, the one, two, three, and right at the three, 
right after the three and, and a quarter, Fish gets the you know does a little uh, kick out. So you know a little bit too late, but that's yeah that that's a huge that's a huge little nuance to watch that yeah. Fish was not down and out that he got to do the uh, you know kind of the the Hogan slight kick out right after Warrior pins him at Mania Six kind of deal to show I'm still alive. So Bobby Fish at 45 years old uh, getting you know maybe going as far as anybody in AEW so far with CM Punk. Do you think that was on purpose that they planned for that to happen? It did not look like that was planned that they were on the same page. I think he thought there was maybe more spots to go and he accidentally did that. Cause it was a kind of an awkward en- ending and the announcers didn't seem to know how to react to it. It was awkward. And that's not, that's not something we see too often is that, yeah, that little, uh, Hey, I'm still alive, especially in AEW. Um, I don't know, but like they already had one reversal of a GTS. So like, you kind of right. figure like, okay, you know, this is the end. Like this is the finish. Like, um, I, I would have a hard time believing that they, they, they got through that whole match were, were pretty well in sync. I mean, they were, from what I could catch, it was not a match that was like down to the team memorized. I mean, I could, I could see them calling some things with each other. So, I mean, I'm sure they were maybe, you know, improving a little bit and feeling out uh, how the crowd was responding. But I don't know. That would be, that would be a real, real hard press one for me to buy as a Bobby Fish didn't realize that was the finish. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just took a GTS. I don't know. So I, I liked um, the storytelling of this match. I, I just it did physically seem like a match between two 40 year olds. It was it was uh, a lot slower in terms of the pacing. And I just can't get into these. I feel like I can't get into these CM Punk matches because I think he's now wrestled way too many of these matches against people who are clearly below him or beneath him in terms of stature. You know, Bobby Fish can go. Nobody's going to question that. Matt Seidel can go. A lot of these guys who've been wrestling are very phenomenal workers. Uh, but in terms of CM Punk coming back, it's, I mean, you alluded to it. This guy from an undisputed era against CM Punk, uh, you're kind of looking more for blockbusters. And I get that CM Punk is going to work his way back on to wrestling some of these other guys, but I think he's doing this one too many times, going to that well of uh, wrestling uh, a lot of these more mid-card talent that uh, really don't have stories behind these matches. I mean, CM Punk, as good of a wrestler as he is, as solid as a wrestler as he is, you could even say great wrestler, uh, CM Punk makes his money on storytelling and promos and how he can get you invested in a match i wasn't signing up to see cm punk going in there with these good hands gonna have a good match brother and there is a disconnect for me with these cm punk matches against guys who uh there's no story there and there's really nothing more than he's just gonna wrestle them yeah this guy from undisputed era not named adam cole <laughs> it's gonna yeah. Be <laughs> exactly. um yeah you know it, it's kind of like in order to get cm punk back this is what you have to cater to and what i mean is you know, he clearly wants to, you know, clearly to get him back to wrestling took seven years and took, you know, Tony Khan and AEW's vision. And it took, you know, obviously he's got, you know, full creative control. CM Punk's calling his shots of what he does and doesn't do. And clearly he wanted to come back and he wanted to have fresh opponents and young opponents and and, and just, just, you know, where, and and that's what got him to AEW. Because AEW probably again said, whatever you want, this is how, this is what you want your return matches to be. Cause he knew, yeah, you go back to WWE. Yeah, they're not going to have, you know, uh, CM Punk versus um, Austin Theory. That's just not where they're going to go. They're going to go for the biggest marquee. And, and, yeah, maybe it even is a name that he had. You know, maybe it is a Roman Reigns. Maybe it is somebody that he had worked in his previous stint at some point or another. Like, And that doesn't excite him. But that, but WWE also would have known that's where the money is going to be if we're paying the money it takes to get a CM Punk back. You know, so so hence, obviously, he's, you know, he's never going back to WWE. For, I'm sure for that reason, and for many, many more. So yeah, it is kind of these things. Like if you have Punk back, it's exciting, but you are at the mercy of what gets him going, and what gets him going is fresh matchups. But like you said, Alfred, I, I, it's great to hear the music and see him come out on Dynamite. But sorry, Bobby Fish, him versus Bobby Fish just doesn't. You know, yeah, there's just what's the point? Yeah. No, exactly. It's getting about time to where it's like, all right, honeymoon period is starting to be over with. It's time to start telling these stories with this guy who really is on, might be on borrowed time in terms of being a wrestler and being able to wrestle um, at this level full time. Right. Don't waste the bumps on a dynamite match against Bobby Fish. Right. You know, so if you only have so many, if there's only so many bumps in the gas gauge and we don't get to go back to the gas station again, do we really want to be wasting on this? Right. So. All right, up next we get a uh, MJF versus local Bryce Donovan. This match doesn't even make it to the 32nd mark, but it definitely has the coolest finish of the night. Uh, MJF basically straddles Donovan mid-rope, uh, and then MJF propels himself, kicks himself up in the air, and then turns it into a giant pile driver. Uh, this looked awesome. 
very innovative, very, you know, very innovative and original, very violent looking pins Donovan. Uh, but the real point comes to the post-match promo where he, of course, talks about how much he hates Boston. He won't even uh, deal with the ring rats in Boston. Uh, he, <laughs> he runs down Darby Allen. Um, and then all of a sudden, MJF tricks everybody, uh, faking Sting's music. Wardlow was not amused, if you watch for that. Uh, Wardlow was ready to take on Sting. He was not amused that he was not clued in by Sean Spears and MJF, that that was all just a trick to troll the crowd. But then lights go out again. This time, the real Sting is there in the ring, and Darby is in disguise in the crowd, uh, takes out Wardlow and Sean Spears. MJF, though, does get away basically unharmed, and Darby, real short and sweet, challenges MJF to a match at full gear. Do you like this segment? Yes, I love this segment. I absolutely loved uh, Darby Allen's vignette. I just think that's one of those things that sets him apart from everybody else as just a star that you have to see is that he does have that film background and he uses it in terms of putting together these really cool noir films. And uh, it was that, I guess they were in the arena and then MJF got put through a table, but it was a fake MJF. And I just love stuff like that when Darby does this. So I thought this really made this feud seem like a big deal. And it already kind of did seem like that. I thought MJF has been doing great work as a heel uh, putting over this feud for the past couple of weeks. And then uh, Darby Allen needed something big in order to respond to MJF because you saw what he did with Sting last week and you've seen MJF really being promoted as a superhero in this feud. And I thought this was perfect for Darby Allen to get heat back on him. Yeah, very well done segment. Uh, and thank you for mentioning the vignette. I left that out. Uh, yeah, real good stuff. You know, I'm looking for, I look forward to the match because I just look forward to, I mean, I look forward to Darby stuff. I cringe because, again, I'm kind of like, even yeah. though he's 20 years younger than Punk, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, how many bumps do you have in you? So, but he is entertaining, uh, and MJF is just—he's he, just—he's—he's he's un, un—he's unchained. He's a heel, and he does not have the restrictions that a WWE would put on him. Uh, I kind of love this. He does his own troll job that he might go to WWE. He's responding to Baron Corbin <laughs> on Twitter like he's just—you know—it's—it's it's fun stuff. It's fun to watch him be heel, and then again, there's that—that that inevitable. You just don't know when uh, of. Eventually, his 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 bodyguard, his monster, is going to turn on him and get tired of his crap. So, a lot to watch here with MJF. Uh, should be a very entertaining match in Minneapolis at full gear against Darby Allen. Mike, $2 super chat for you, Alfred. Says, I'm ready for MVP and Lashley to return. Yeah. I'm, I mean, MVP uh, is a very, very, he adds a lot to Lashley's act in terms of his mouthpiece. And I know he's on the men for surgery. And Lashley is out right now uh, because of Goldberg trying to murder him, although that didn't necessarily happen, thank God. Lashley is still alive. But uh, I thought those two guys were just amazing in terms of this whole year, this past year. Lashley being elevated to that next level, a lot of that was MVP in terms of uh, them being an alliance in the Hurt Business was incredible, too. I don't know why they ever broke that up. And they're kind of trying to put that back together but yeah lashley been kind of quiet since that match against goldberg but i'm sure he's going to come back uh with a force well and lashley right up there with drew i mean workhorses through the thunderdome era yes in front of no fans so you know deserves a little time off yes one of the mvps of the thunderdome era absolutely all right we get uh sammy guevara your uh your tnt champion up against ethan page uh, some fighting shenanigans before the bell bell finally does ring uh very very good match between these two it should be noted tony nice hot free agent in the wrestling world as, as uh, recognized by the announcers. He's sitting in the crowd watching along. Uh, good match here. Sammy's going to get the win, but right after he's going to get attacked by Paige and Scorpio Sky. That's going to prompt a run-in. A run-in with music and pyro by the entire inner circle led by Jericho. Uh, Jericho, they all chase off Sky, beat up and chase off Sky and Paige. Uh, they let the crowd sing Jericho's song, and then Jericho gets on the mic and says, we're going to have a... Uh, uh, five on five match at full gear, Minneapolis street fight. It's going to be the inner circle versus America, American top team. Uh, so Dan Lambert could pick his five soldiers. He's going to send into battle. Uh, yeah, I mean, good. To, I mean, I, I think this is obviously where it's got to go. And I, anything that, anything that's going to get Dan Lambert back on the mic. So we, we're going to yeah. get to get him on the mic next week to respond, whatever I'm here for it. Uh, he's just, he, he's been placed pleasantly surprised me as one of the, uh, the, the, the gems that I look forward to on Wednesday nights at dynamite. Definitely. I mean, he's he might be the best promo uh, in AEW in terms of a guy who just gets passionate behind what he's saying. Uh, a lot of these fans react to it as if he's legitimately saying this about AEW fans and he really means it, which if you know Dan Lambert behind the scenes, he, he does have nothing but respect for AEW and what they're doing, but he does a great job playing this character and getting people into it. And, uh, you know, I want to see Kayla Harrison in AEW too, because she made some waves in terms of what she said about their fan base, which I, I think it's a work. I'm pretty sure it is, uh, but I think she'd be a great addition to this. 
Yeah, again, you can read more <laughs> on Wrestling Inc. But to, to, sum, to summarize, she called she called all of us nerds, <laughs> bunch of nerds in AEW. Oh, <laughs> Pushing those buttons. <laughs> yeah, and somebody step up to her. You know, just say it to her face. Uh, Hojo to go, Belinsky, five dollars. Uh, Alfred, how good a chance do our Green Bay Packers have with two key offensive threats out? We got the two Aaron's. We got Aaron Jones. We got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, listen, uh, cover your ears, Justin. But we did beat uh, the Washington football team last week, really with very little input from Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I think they were looking ahead to preserving those backs anyway. So I think we're going to get a heavy game script with Jones and Dillon running the ball. Uh, Alan Lazard, I know, is going to be gone too. But MVS hopefully can stretch the field. Uh, Tunyon, I think, is going to get a lot of looks. The Packers can still pull this off and squeak this one out in Arizona. Call me crazy, but I think they can. I'm not going to let you away with this. If Taylor Heineke wouldn't confuse the one-yard line for the goal line, goal line <laughs> and they score there, it's a different ball game. Let me just say that. <laughs> what it could have, should have. The Packers' red zone defense is looking very good after being very shaky all season. Uh, so the uh, Washington football team seemed like they were living in the red zone in terms of getting all those yards, but weren't able to punch it in. Yes, that was a very weird uh, way to stop ahead of the goal line by Taylor Heineke. How do you QB die for the end zone and you miss the end zone? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then and then to make and then to, to, to make it worse before we realize he didn't actually make the end zone end zone, he goes and does the Lambo leap. Uh, <laughs> which it then gets null you know, null and voided. That poor guy grew up a Brett Favre fan too, a Packers fan at heart, and he had his moment taken away from him. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> All right. Uh we get another promo backstage, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. Uh Eddie Kingston kind of going off on uh, Brian, who's, you know, Brian kind of accusing, you know, like, where, like, who's this Eddie Kingston? What are you? Who are you these days? And Eddie Kingston uh, getting hard on him, saying, you know, talk about I got to wake up, pop a pill so I, uh, you know, for depression, so I don't go out and kill somebody. And then I got to do this and do that. Don't walk, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't say anything to me until you've walked a, a mile in my shoes, partner, was the exact quote. Uh, gets fired up, walks off, and Brian Anderson says, that's the Eddie I wanted. That's the you know, that's him and Moxie. They're the two toughest guys in pro wrestling I've come across. That's the guy I want to wrestle. Uh, and they will wrestle, I believe, this Friday night on Rampage. So AEW continuing uh, to you know put some meaningful matches with uh, high-level, high-marquee guys like a Brian Danielson and even to an extent and Eddie Kingston on Rampage, um, trying to keep that credibility of the show there despite viewership continuing to slide. Uh, you buying yeah. into Rampage? Yeah, I really did like this uh, exchange, and particularly Eddie Kingston. I thought they both did a great job of working in mental health, which is a very topical issue in this day and age, into uh, each of their battles in terms of, you know, there was always a perception that depression and mental health made you seem weak, but Eddie Kingston did a good job of really painting that fight and what it looks like. And I thought him and Brian Danielson did a good job making you excited uh, for this match. Again, it, I think we've seen in terms of these numbers on Rampage falling into that 500,000 range, there is very little that they can do to probably get out of that hole so i don't think this is going to be the difference i think brian danielson has been a little overexposed in terms of now he's working dark matches and and it's great that he's having all these great wrestling matches but i do think that and this was always bound to happen but now it's not as special to see brian danielson wrestle even if it is against an eddie kingston i don't think this is going to be a difference maker in terms of getting them out of that funk yeah i would agree uh mr Miapus, uh two not sure what the currency is 299 uh, was CM Punk on good terms with Shane McMahon? Uh, well, only those two could for sure say. All I can, all I can tell you that I know is, you know, for the bulk of the time that Punk really ha- had risen to the, the the main roster of Raw and SmackDown in prominence, you know, Shane really wasn't involved with the company. That was when Shane had really took a a step out of the company and was doing a lot of his other uh, business dealings, uh, even over in China. So I, you know, I don't, I, I would have to say, aside from Linda, of course, too. Uh, that Shane was, you know, probably the you know McMahon that Punk had the least dealings in time with. Uh, obviously, it was obviously again primarily Vince, Stephanie, and and and, and Triple H. So, uh, right. but yeah, in terms of what their exact, I'm sure they had interactions. What their exact terms were, you know, only those two could really could really say. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if, what their relationship was. Into some women's action: Serena D versus Karo Shida. This, of course, for the TBS title tournament. Uh, this, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I thought this was just kind of, I thought it was just gonna be there, but this was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. This was a very entertaining match. These two ladies, uh, went a little bit longer than I thought it would as well. Uh, so entertaining stuff. So if you did not watch dynamite, I definitely say don't fast forward to the women's match. Check this out. Uh, Sheeta wins 
But then uh, Deeb is just hammering on her knee after the match mm. with with a chair. Really brutal. Uh, so and then commentary even noted a Deeb trying to take Sheeta out of the tournament. Uh, so we'll see. So Sheeta's next match in the second round is against Nyla Rose. Also in the second round of the tournament, Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho. And then still to be determined for the second round is Thunder Rosa versus the winner of Anna Jay uh, versus Jamie Hayter. And then Jade Cargill versus the winner of the Bunny and Red Velvet. Uh, looking at the bracket, Alfred, I mean, uh, to me, I, I, you can't convince me anybody else except for Jade Cargill is winning this. Me too, yeah. The moment this title was announced, I called it on this podcast, I called it uh, Jade Cargill's title, and I think it's hers for the taking. But it is a pretty top-heavy tournament. I mean, we got Thunder Rosa, you've got Thunder. Ruby Soho. You can see them springing the upset and, and winning this, uh, perhaps. But I really do hope it is Jade Cargill, and I think she's going to uh, win that title. Uh, I did love this match, and I think that they could have stretched this Hikaru Shida storyline out in terms of her chasing that 50th win beyond this match. I thought that Serena Deeb maybe should have won this match because – you know, as much as I do acknowledge Akaro Shida's talents and I do like her wrestling and her matches, she's never been more engaging and more compelling in terms of her performer, especially with the live crowd, than now when she's kind of chasing that number 50. And with that in the air, I think that's what really helped give this match that extra boost it needed. And now that that's now done with, she did uh, avenge and get her 50th win. Uh, I think it does take something a little bit away because they're clearly going to continue the storyline. And I think the best payoff to the storyline would be Hikaru Shida finally gets that 50th win by beating Serena D, but the fact that they're going to continue it without that number 50 there, I think takes a little bit away from it. No, solid point. Solid point. Yeah. And again, back to the, you know, who wins, you know, Jay Cargo again, I, I think that's the front runner for me as well, just like you, but you know, you're right. Thunder Rosa, the fact that she's now without AW permanently, you know, a case can be made for her. Tony Khan really is in the fact that he signed Ruby Soho. He, he made a point and uh, several of the media loops that he did in the last few weeks, you know, every interviewer wanted a name drop. Oh, you signed Punk, you signed Brian, you signed Adam Cole, and he would never let any of them forget. Oh, Ruby Soho too, like he right. uh, was really, really going to bat for for that signing there for the women's division. So you know, she came in, loses the first big match to Britt. So you know, maybe that is a, a way to to get her back to par as she gets to be the inaugural uh, TBS uh, women's champion. So we'll see. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Uh, we got a quick promo. Leo Rush standing there doing the talking with Dante Martin behind him. Leo Rush, uh, you know, we don't know when his debut is going to be in ring, but he says once it does happen, you'll know. It'll matter. Uh, but then he puts over Dante Martin, who's going to have a match this Friday. I love hearing Leo Rush speak. This whole thing looked weird, Alfred. Dante Martin standing there behind him and borderline just looks scared. I don't know yeah. if the red light on the camera just is that scary to him, but he just he didn't say a word. He didn't have to say a word. Leo Rush was doing all the talking, as he should. Dante Martin just looked out of place. Uh, that's all I can look. That's all I can take away from this. I think that's that might be the story they're telling because what they're doing is that Leo Rush is now kind of taking control of this and uh, insisting on Dante Martin tag teaming with him. And even when he announced that they were a tag team, Dante Martin was surprised. And so I think they're trying to indicate, uh, convey that Dante Martin wants no part of this and that Leo Rush is kind of uh, taking the controls here. And I hope that it builds up to Darius Martin coming back and top flight re reuniting. But I, I don't like that storyline at all. I would rather them working together as both wanting to be on a team. And then when Top Flight comes back, then Top Flight and Leo Rush is a trio. It would be out of this world. Uh, so they're, I think they're overthinking themselves in this. And, and I do think that, you know, one of the weak points of Dante Martin's game is the performance aspect, the promo aspect. And maybe he wasn't conveying the emotion. But I do think that him being scared is part of the storyline, is that okay. Leo Rush has him hostage and his brother's going to have to come back and save him. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then he's playing his role really well. I'm just looking, looking at it going, this kid looks petrified. Um, all right. Well, we'll see how it plays out there. All right. Up next, we get uh, 10, Preston Vance, 10 from Dark Order up against John Moxley. This was not long. This was quick, and it was violent. Uh, Moxley actually, I don't even say, I mean, like, 10, who wears a mask, of course, is just gushing blood. Moxley's you know, ripping the mask, cutting up his actual face. Uh, and in commentary notes, the last time, like a year and a half ago, these two fought each other, 10 ended up having to go away and get bicep surgery as a, as a consequence from, from the match. I mean, this, this looked like a slasher film, yes. the way that, 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 that 10 looked when this was over with, uh, I'll tell you what you watch, you watched that last match, making reference to the bicep injury a year and a half ago. And then you watch this one, 
if you didn't know any better, it'd be like, who's sleeping with whose girlfriend here? Like, who, who, <laughs> who, who pissed off who? Like, this is yeah, yeah, very, very violent. That's a great way of putting it. It's violent. I just feel like, you know, John Moxley's destined for a heel turn, and he's already wrestling like a heel because he wrestled this match like a heel. He squashed Wheeler Yuta. So now they're doing this thing where he's winning all these close matches. And I do think it's going to build up to him turning on Brian Danielson if and when he does lose that match. And yes, this is just very quick, dominant win for John Moxley. I really like what they're doing with him now because he was kind of cold heading into this. And beforehand, after losing that AEW world title, he was kind of in no man's land as just this kind of miscast babyface. And now I think he's starting to lean into this. He's going to be this cold, violent badass. Probably the best, probably the best thing for him. All right. Uh, Corey Pride of Super Chat, $2. <clears throat> Does heel or face Cody matter? Fans still boo. Well, let's answer that in just a second here, Corey, because now we're at the point of the show where we get the Cody promo. So Cody comes out and uh, he talks about, you know, try to walk in his shoes. Uh, and he cuts the promo. Basically, just if it says he's not going to take the easy way out. And he's basically referencing that he's not going to just come out and turn heel. That he's just not going to do that. That you can cheer him, you can boo him. He's going to remain who he wants to remain. He's not going to do the old heel turn. He then gets interrupted by Andrade. Andrade says people don't like him, but he doesn't care what the people like. Uh, it should be noted, too, Andrade, as he's coming out talking and doing all of his shtick, uh, a ton, a ton of audible woos coming from the crowd, uh, if to make mention to his real-life girlfriend, Charlotte, and, of course, the controversy She's embroiled in right now with her current company. Uh, so that's just some little side note there. Uh, lights go out. Lights come back on. Malachi Black is standing side by side with Andrade. And they proceed to attack Arn Anderson and Cody. And then out comes Pac to help uh, even the odds there. So, uh, Alfred, how do you feel about – well, first actually, let's go piece by piece. First of all, give me the, your thoughts on the Cody promo and what he had to say. I love the Cody promo. I, I love this Cody character. This is harkens back to Roman Reigns circa 2015, 2016, where the reactions he were getting was getting, for better or worse, were authentic. And you would just get these heated reactions. I went to just about every WrestleMania during that span. And, you know, the 34 kind of flamed out and they weren't always great. But in terms of his reaction, like the Brock Lesnar match, uh, they were just incredible. It was a big fight. It seemed like these people were actually engaged. And that's what you're seeing with this Cody Rhodes character. He doesn't have to play a character. He doesn't have to play heel. He's an authentic guy who now has to address the fact that these people are turning on him. And it's a very real story. And I like that story being told with its nuance. You know, I wouldn't want Cody to just turn into a heel. I'm going to tell you people this, that, and the other. I like what they're doing with him, at least for now. I, I really do like this because uh, it just feels authentic. And it feels like he's actually having to deal with these emotions in real time. And it adds layer to it. So I really do like what they're doing. And I like the promo that he ended up throwing his shoes into the audience, <laughs> telling him to put yourselves in my shoes. So there is a heel element to this. He just doesn't have to beat you over the head with it and it's on nuance and i like this maybe this is a good thing but i can't figure out what they are doing i can't figure out if they are outsmarting all of us if they are the smartest ones in the room and they're doing kind of what you just said where it's like all right you know let's let's acknowledge he's not going to turn heel and those that love him are going to cheer that even harder and those that hate him are going to get even more frustrated i can't figure out if they're doing that and they're geniuses or if when that match, when the payoff match happened against Malachi Black, um, you know, the, the big payoff and Cody returned, and the fans just, I mean, that's really when this this heel turn with the fans at least started. I mean, they were just absolutely just shitting on him. I can't figure out if that threw them for a big loop, which I kind of think it did, because if you watch the match, there's a lot of things that, like, even the fan, it, 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 feel, it felt like they were not anticipating for that, if you watch the match. If that happened, and now they're kind of like, all right, now what do we do? Because, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't – like, I think Cody kind of always booked himself a thought that he was going to be kind of the – he was just going to be – you know, he had the special entrance. He was going to be the big baby face. You know, he's there. He's he's giving you the wrestling company the alternative. He's the executive. His father – you know, he's, he's fulfilling his father's he's, – he's following his father's footsteps as a promoter. Like, I don't know. I, I can't figure out if, if, if they're trying their best to audible and react to this and act like, oh, yeah, we wanted this. Or if they are in fact outsmarting us, I, I there, there's it goes in waves. There's points in that promo he did tonight where I agree with you, where it's like, yeah, this is really good stuff. He doesn't need to do the traditional heel 101. But then there's other times where I'm like, this just feels like they have no freaking clue where to go. So I, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. I want to see where it goes, but I just don't. The fact that he's op he's standing opposite of Malachi Black and Andrade 
two guys who are clearly meant to be your two of your bigger heels that you've brought in the company. That's where it gets a little fuzzy for me to buy this whole Cody inner struggle. Like he should be clearly the babyface, but the crowd just doesn't want it. And I don't think Cody's ready to accept that. Yeah, that is part of the problem with this is who his opponent is more so uh, Malachi Black, because I just think he ran into a buzzsaw in terms of this. And I don't think that they're trying to Alistair. I do think this is something very real that they're dealing with and that they do not want to turn him. Uh, and they, But yet they also have to be self-aware about this. I think it would be much worse if Cody was pretending to be a babyface uh, while these people were booing him and there was a disconnect because uh, that wouldn't be good. But I do think it makes more compelling television that they are actually kind of adjusting on the fly to these reactions he's getting and and uh, admitting that yes okay you people may not be with me but at, like a baby face he's not going low he's trying to do right by these people uh and hopefully he's just going to keep fighting for the people who do believe in him so you're telling me cody is like michelle obama when they go low yes. we go high he, goes, he bleaches his hair blonde and he goes <laughs> <laughs> i guess his, it would be john cena-esque in terms of that type of but yeah i guess he's uh pulling michelle obama in terms of going high uh this is not a super chat but i caught my attention from the twitch stream Elijah Washington 12, he says, Justin Alfred, keep an eye on Friday. You might like SmackDown. What does that mean? You got a scoop for us, Elijah? Oh, wait, no. Here he follows up. Justin, let's just say he got the whole world in his hands. If If you're referencing Bray Wyatt, tonight he did tweet two days. He's, I think, I mean, maybe it could be a swerve, bro, but two days is when his 90-day non-compete is up. So I don't think he's saying two days, I'm showing up with SmackDown. I think he's saying two days, and then he's free for the next, for then to move forward to the next chapter whatever that what a be. worker just that cryptic tweet that that's how a lot of people are going to take it but it might have a lot of disappointed people this friday when we do the smackdown recap in terms of bray wyatt showing up right i mean i still thought like ah, oh, bray wyatt be the lead, be the new leader of the dark order but it looks like the dark order is in a happy place which we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that now <laughs> the dark order versus the elite eight man tag match here dark order comes out we got, uh, they're all, everybody's dressed Halloween costumes. Uh, we got uh, Evil Uno, he's dressed as a cowboy. Coca is, is mocking and dressed as Brandon Cutler. Love that. Uh, Jonathan Silver's dressed as Bambi. Stu Grayson's dressed as, uh, was a Braveheart? Is that, what he, was, is that what he was? Yeah, I think, was it either Braveheart or, he, I think he was doing what Ty, uh, Tommaso Ciampa was kind of trying to do with the snake uh, around him, but I don't know if that was Braveheart. Nonetheless, he says something. <laughs> the video game character we were referencing it and then they have a, they have like a, a horse a guy who's kind of dressed as a horse so just keep that in mind that he's kind of part of the entrance and then here comes the elite all dressed as ghostbusters <laughs> with a ghostbusters remixed intro uh, that says who are you gonna call the elite Love and they come out proton packs it all and they're being flanked by a by adam cole's baby and by the stay puff marshmallow man if you're not a fan of the original Ghostbusters movie, you have no clue what's going on here, but that's okay. Very timely because the new Ghostbusters is coming out in theaters here in a few weeks. Very excited by that. Uh, so that, that so that, that that's your entrance, just to set that up. Before we get to the big finish, I'm watching Twitter, and it's very fun for me to watch Twitter during this because it's interesting to see, okay, how are fans reacting to this? Your main event match, your main event angle, everybody's out there in costume. It is very ridiculous. I mean, you know, and it's like WWE has done this where they've had guys and girls dressed up in costume or whatever or smash each other with pumpkins. And it's usually the throwaway segment on Raw or it's some nonsense on the show main event or it's just the dark match for the live crowd and people just poo-poo on it. But here we are with AEW, supposedly the cool kid's lunch table, and the main event is asking you to accept all this i laughed i accepted it took it for what it was alfred did you uh yes i did i absolutely did i was thinking in the back of my mind man there's going to be a lot of traditionalists who are going to absolutely hate what this is but i was thoroughly oh jim jim cornett's are jim cornett's in the hospital right now with a heart attack <laughs> i know pray for jim cornett for however he reacts to this but i absolutely love this and you just look at the crowd look at how the crowd is taken to this this is something that they absolutely loved uh, they incorporated pro wrestling into this and yes kratos from god of war i was going to uh, share that but yes that's exactly what Stu grayson was doing uh, but I, 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 and even lyrics, right down to the lyrics of the the elite instead of the Ghostbusters. If you're listening to them where they were replacing the lyrics, I thought it was very funny, and it was kind of harken back to what they did when they did that uh, Space Jam kind of themed match, yeah. where whenever the elite gets 
together on these teams. They take a theme, and it really does enhance that team element. And it reminds you, these aren't just guys who are being thrown together in some random match to waste your time. These guys are a team. They're the elite. They're a band. They're going to do everything together. And I think it does play that part up. And so I, I like this a lot. Yeah, I'm sure if you watch the YouTube series, we'll get to see the behind-the-scenes dress rehearsal of this, uh, <laughs> which will be fun. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, have fun with it. I, I, I see all sides of it. I am... I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, this is fun. The, these guys are, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Adam Cole's face. He's having a blast. It's like, it's like, this is what you want. You want wrestling to be fun. And then it gets really creative with the ending, which we'll get to in a second. You want it to be fun. But at the same point, I also see all the critiques of AEW and I'm sometimes I'm, I'm the one screen with a megaphone, you know, lack of rules. The, the refs look ridiculous and t- too much Gaga after every single match, you know? So, I mean, it, it, I guess you just have to take, it's a buffet. You're not going to necessarily want every dish. You might skip a few dishes. You just got to, but that doesn't mean if you skip a few dishes, the buffet's bad. So I think it's just how you got to kind of look at this. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun here to watch this. Um, so, all right. So uh, we have the match, a lot of fun spots. Again, you have to really go back and check this out. Some fun spots. Um, the ref gets knocked out. We don't often see this. We don't often see a ref bump spot. Ref gets knocked out. Now, like I said, mind you, there is a Stay Puft, Mar- Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and there's also, again, there was a, 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 a horse for the cowboy entrance for the Dark Order. Remember that. Ref gets knocked out. All of the Dark Order ends up getting low-blowed simultaneously by the Elite. Then the Elite <laughs> grabs their proton packs, and they proceed to sandwich uh, one of the Dark Order members. Then they do a combo powerbomb onto Colt Cabana. You think that's going to be it. Well, all of a sudden, here comes this horse from the Dark Order entrance. You think it's another one of the just the Dark Order lackeys. So they beat up the horse, who's still covered in, in, in his horse head. They beat up the horse. Well, then they unmask the horse. Well, that's Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler is the Dark Order horse. He's been kidnapped and taped shut and been held you know, <laughs> as that. So just as that realization is happening, you have the elite standing there going, what? And all of a sudden, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is behind them, who everybody thought that was Cutler. Well, Marshmallow uh, unmasks, and it is Hangman Page. And he goes wild on the cowboy shit. And then ultimately, John Silver ends up hitting the spin doctor for the win on one of the Young Bucks. Alfred, again, if you can just look past the comedy and some of the ridiculousness and the ref and the refs then basically standing there kind of almost celebrating with the baby faces at the end, if you look past all that, just at what it was, this was a very fun, yes, fun swerve, legit swerve, uh, but gave the people what they wanted, which is the Hangman page, but just he was under a different outfit. Uh, yeah. This this is a fun, fun ending to me. I don't know. Incredible ending. And I thought even in the name of pro wrestling, this is like traditional pro wrestling swerve in that uh, you get the heels being outsmarted by the baby face. And it, it was a very creative way that I don't think anybody saw coming until it finally started to develop before their eyes. I loved this. I thought this was very good in terms of how they ended that and how Hangman Anna Page was under the state puff marshmallow the whole time. And you celebrate by giving people uh, something that they was going to send them home happy. I just, I thought everything here was very great. I mean, it doesn't always have to be the way that we're used to seeing it done. I know there was a lot done here that people are going to take exception to, and rightfully so in terms of the traditional rules of pro wrestling and what we're used to seeing. But if it gets over in a live crowd and if it, goes off the way that it did which i thought was very successful i don't think it's very easy to criticize something like this yeah a lot of fun uh, obviously they're a couple weeks away from full gear so they're 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 moving a lot of uh at a lot of pace i obviously expect dynamite's numbers to be up compared to the previous weeks just as a giving so right. back on wednesday nights so that's, that's a layup uh so yeah and and we we made reference to jim Cornette earlier we actually left out and the cody promo he actually did make a reference to old wrestling managers screaming at the clouds. Yes. So, wonder who he's talking about there. Yeah. So fun stuff there. That was AEW dynamite on October 27th, 2021. Uh, appreciate all these super chat comments. Uh, Alfred, what do you want to plug or let everybody know about before we get out of here? Well, I got some stuff up on the ROH story on Forbes right now, so stay locked into that. I'm sure there's going to be more stories there. Uh, YouTube Pro Wrestling Bits, follow me on Twitter at This Is Nasty. 
Yeah, follow him, and especially Alfred, with, the, with this Ring of Honor story, I'm definitely going to be following your stuff even closer because obviously you with Forbes, you guys, you know, your your specialty is numbers and breaking that down in terms of uh, what it all means and the bottom line and money, and uh, and obviously this Ring of Honor, the the, the, the these headlines are absolutely just 100 percent motivated by money. Yes. So I'll be really curious to see your take on it, anything you find out that might be new to the topic. So uh, definitely follow that. This is nasty. Uh, this is a story that's not going to go away for a while. Again, they got their final battle in December, and then they're going to go on hiatus at least for the first quarter of 2022. So this is going to have many more chapters uh, as we go. So follow him at This Is Nasty. I'm at Justin Labar. Uh, you can hear or see me next uh, Friday morning on Busted Open Radio with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. Uh, of course, Wrestling Inc., nonstop podcast all throughout the week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, do the commenting, do the like, do all the tell a friend, all the good stuff. We appreciate it. Next Wednesday, we'll be back. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Manscaped. Be safe. Good night. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.